people of Christian City, people of every everywhere around the world, this is David Christopher Pacheco. Hi, my name is Kimmy. My name is Arthur Ortiz. Been in Denver since 1973. Okay, so let's just talk in circles for a little bit. <laughs> just talk in circles. Yeah. Just shoot the breeze a little yeah. bit. Now they see beyond what I look like. They see what my actions are and say, hey, that is a good person. A lot of people say home is home is where the heart is, but my heart's in many places. It's just I don't know where home is. Welcome to Homeless But Human, a Christ in the City podcast where we talk about how to step out of your comfort zone and serve the poor wherever you live. I'm your host, Blake Bruliette, Managing Director at Christ in the City, and with me is my co-host. Hi, my name is Shayla Elm, and I'm the Community Engagement Manager here at Christ in the City. We are so grateful to be back for this second episode. Uh, whether you're tuning in for the first time or coming back, we truly appreciate it. And today we have two of our missionaries. So I'd like to introduce our two missionaries today, Emilio and Grace. Grace, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself and sharing us a little bit about. Hey, everyone. My name is Grace. Um, I'm a second year missionary and I'm from Cheyenne, Wyoming. Fun fact. My name is Emilio. I'm also a second year missionary with Grace and I'm from New Jersey. Emilio, actually, I remember his interview. He showed up at Christ in the City for this week-long mission trip and out of nowhere was like, hey, you guys don't know me. I don't know you, but the Lord's telling me to apply. So we interviewed him and he got accepted like within a week. And we're like, what just happened? Like usually our applicants take months. And here's this Emilio guy from University of Pittsburgh. Never didn't even know Christ in the City before. And now he's a year service missionary. Yeah, I can't explain it. It was awesome though. No regrets. Yeah, no, that's how the Holy Spirit works. Truly, you can't explain it. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Grace or Amelia, would one of you want to explain what missionary, what being a missionary looks like out on the streets? Yeah, definitely. So in our street ministry, before we even ever go out on the streets, we're prepared with a lot of the resources in Denver so that we're aware and can refer any of our friends that we have to these places that could help them. But our calling as missionaries is not really to give them any material or physical need, but rather to um, sit with our friends in their sufferings. Yeah, and like just walking with them, just befriending them in its plainest plainest sense. And um, how this looks is we have seven different areas of the city that we go into. Um, Each team has anywhere from three to seven people And from there, we break up into smaller groups. Um, I can speak for my team. We have six of us on our team. Sometimes we break into threes. Sometimes we break into three groups of two. And we really just walk along our area of the city. And we encounter the same people because we go there uh, three to four times a week. Yeah, consistency is definitely like the biggest thing, I think. Um, And these relationships, it's, you know, hard to make or carry any friendship without that time or that commitment. So that's something us as missionaries um, we're called to do is just be consistent, um, you know, and that's why we walk the same routes. Um, my route, for example, I go to a food line and I see the same people there every day or each day that I go out and do ministry on the streets. Um, and it is that consistency, that, that frequency of 
going out there at the same time on the days that we do street ministry that facilitates that those friendships to grow. Yeah. As a missionary, one of the first things that you start to realize, I know this was my experience even on a mission trip, probably Emilio and Grace's as well, was just realizing that there is so much suffering and I want to take it away. I just am wired to take away suffering. That's how I think I'm supposed to care. That's how I think I'm supposed to take care of the other. And that's just something you realize very quickly. There is no way for you to take out the amount of suffering in the homeless lives, these brothers and sisters who we encounter. Shayla, do we get that from our our volunteers as well you deal with? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we get people coming through our doors that want to do good and put good into the world. And then as they're coming through, you know, they're in this fix it mentality. Like the work I'm going to do today might solve the problem of homelessness, Um, where the reality of it is that it's so much deeper than that. And that if you have that mindset, you're probably going to be let down in just that one day of going out to the streets. Oh, and it's heartbreaking. I mean, again, when I experienced that for the first time, I'm sure Amelia and Grace and Shayla can share, but it's like, you think like, because that's what we're trained is like, go like change the world, make a difference. And it is so much more complicated than that. Yeah. Just even thinking about going out to to the streets um, and even for our listeners at home, it's something so normal and natural to like want to know the resources or want to know where to direct people, how to help them. Um, but today I'm really excited because we're talking about a little bit different um, and how we can support the people on the streets, um, our homeless friends on the streets, how we can support them a little bit differently. Yeah. And at Christ in the City, um, diving into some of the formation, right? Our missionaries get formed. They they take classes, they listen to seminars, they learn intellectually about the church and the world. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit inspired at Christ in the City is our model for ministry, our model for encounter with the homeless. And that is Mary and John at the foot of the cross. And that is what today's episode is about. Truly the suffering and the example given to us by Mary and John at the foot of the cross. And that is realizing what our role in suffering is. Like, what are we supposed to do? And we want to share that with you. And if you've already heard it, It is such a good reminder. And to begin with, we look at when was Jesus Christ, our Lord's greatest moment of suffering, a no-brainer. It was him on the cross, his passion and death. And at that scene, Mary and John can be seen depicted all over the place in beautiful artwork, just sitting at the foot of the cross. And in that moment, we can assume they wanted to take away the Lord's suffering. They wanted to do something to ease his pain, something to lighten that load, to take it upon their shoulders. Yet there was not a single thing they could say. There was not a single thing they could give to Jesus. So what did they do? They were. They they were being with our Lord. And I just imagine my my vision of this is just that Jesus opened his eyes at some point of that and just gazed into the eyes of Mary and St. John and just knew that they were there for him. They didn't have to say anything. They didn't have to do anything. Just being there for him was compassion, was the love and actually the greatest gift they could give to Jesus in that moment. And when we encounter the suffering, this is what we teach our missionaries. This is the model we use at Christ in the City, Mary and John at the foot of the cross. Yeah, and I would just like to add to that 
it would have been weird if Mary and John didn't have this feeling of, I would love to take this away from Jesus, to take this away from my son, to take this away from my friend and my brother. Um, that, that's such a normal feeling. And that's why we have to do this um, and like talk about it, talk about this spirituality of, no, I'm actually just going to go and be with that person. I'm actually just going to go and sit in that suffering with them. And my job isn't necessarily to end all suffering, to end their suffering. Um, but maybe my presence being with them can just offer a sort of comfort. Maybe it can offer them a feeling of being known. Um, and so the byproduct of you being with them could maybe alleviate the suffering, but that's not the point. That's not the purpose. The purpose is simply just to go and be with that person, be with that person on their cross to, to love them and to ultimately just be with them. I, when we get high school groups come, I'm like, imagine if Mary and John had phones at that time and were sitting there texting while Jesus was hanging on the cross, like that would be ridiculous, right? They weren't talking to the soldiers. They weren't distracted, you know, looking at the birds in the sky. I bet they were just with him, like fully present with him. And, you know, it's something in my missionary journey and most our missionaries journey, as well as our volunteers, we, it takes a while to buy into Totally. Like we want to fix things and it is fun and there's nothing wrong with it. Like Shayla said, we're wired to help. But the, these moments where there's truly the greatest gift you can give is yourself. Mm-hmm. Like just you, like nothing, no words, no thoughts, like just you. And that's why we have Emilio and Grace here today. Our experts, our experts on the streets of Denver. Um, and we would love to hear from you guys. What what are some stories maybe? How is, have you had conversion in your own hearts with this? Well, at least for me, I think the first time I actually encountered that on the streets was with one of my friends. He was living in this huge encampment, and um, they were just really, really struggling with, like, he was really struggling with just loving himself, like recognizing his own dignity. And there was just this one day where he just like fleshed out his entire self on us all his struggles his addictions and I mean in those situations it's it's like the only thing you can do is just receive this weight or this burden that this other person is carrying and there's nothing we can say there's nothing you can really do or there's nothing like I could do but to just sit there to just be with him and I'm pretty sure that's the only thing he wanted because how many times do our homeless friends just have no one to talk to at all, no one to receive them? And that's the only thing that he wanted on that day. Did you guys continue that relationship afterwards? Was there a lot, was that like a changing oh, point yeah. for you? Oh yeah. I would say it just got like so much deeper, so much intentional. And the trust that we had with each other at the end of that, just because of the way he felt heard, and the way he was received just honestly made him one of the best friends I could have ever asked for. That is remarkable, Amelia. And do you still keep up with him or how the, how's that relationship gone? Actually, I got a, a message. Our team got a message from him two days ago because he recently moved out to some family to live with them. Um, you know, getting out of the, uh, the encampment and trying to make a new life, a better life for himself. And he reached out. And we're hoping to see him in another week or two. No way. Yeah. That is beautiful. It's crazy. One of my favorite parts about that, Amelia, is did you ever think that uh, 
like you probably wanted to get him into housing. You that day that he was struggling so much, you probably wanted to do something to mm-hmm. get him off the streets. And I mean, did you did you guys even like? Let's be honest, you probably didn't get him off the streets, but we know that those seeds and that that love is the first step, right? That ruptured relationships Absolutely. and just approaching that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think I think you kind of nailed it with just our tendencies to help, our tendencies to fix problems, um, but in the end. We can't control what other people do. We can't control their actions, their feelings. You know, in the end, it is those seeds that get planted, that love that we provide to them that is like that spark, that fire, that just hopefully, you know, in themselves, they find that that in themselves and pursue that goodness that they truly do deserve and that we try to tell them that they deserve. Emilio, um, when you were talking with this friend and he was, you know, very much unfolding himself um, and the struggles he was having, what do you think he was like looking for from you when he was telling you all these things? What what do you think he was looking for from you as a friend? Just comfort, just comfort, just um, just peace or ease, just just to be heard. That was about it. He didn't want anything else. He didn't want the socks in our bags. He didn't want the water bottles. He didn't want the snacks. He just wanted us, our presence. And it was a really profound experience when he just, like we realized that from him. Like he just wanted us. And even us in our own imperfection, how much that just is able to like comfort him. Yeah. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing, Emilio. Of course. Uh, Grace, we'd love to hear a story from you or if you have any thoughts about, you know, your experience with, with this spirituality of Mary and John at the foot of the cross and if you have any specific experiences with that. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to share. Actually, as Emilio was talking about his own experience, I thought back to one of my team's um, friends that we made last year and it was a pretty different experience than what Emilio was explaining. Um we met this man in early October, and he was sleeping underneath a like an overhang near this really like fancy building that hosts events. And he was the only one that stayed there. He was he was a loner, and the first time we encountered him, he was terrified of us. He barely said anything, but the next time we met him, we called him by name again, and his eyes lit up. But he was still very terrified of us. And quickly, he, he opened up and shared a lot about his alcoholism. And, of course, like Blake was saying earlier, my first instinct was, oh, my gosh, how can I fix him? What can I do? I can find a program for him. I can find um, somewhere he can go that he can sleep and become sober. But I realized that there was no way that that could happen until he found dignity in himself, until he was no longer afraid of the love that Christ wanted for him through us. And there was nothing we could do for that except for sitting him and loving him and telling him happy birthday when it was his birthday and just whatever we could do to remind him that we knew him and we loved him. And for me, that was really the first hard experience that I had um, with street ministry And I really had to pray with Mary's heart, with her immaculate heart, and allow myself to be wounded like her heart was wounded like Christ's. But it's in those wounds that 
beauty and those roses are made. And I, yeah, I don't think there's really any other thing I could do per se, other than ask for Mary's intercession to love like her at the foot of Jesus. My goodness, Grace, what a moment. Yeah. And, and as you say that, it's like, he was afraid of you guys because to, to him, you were just another person, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, he didn't know if you wanted something from him, like in his, and I mean, Grace knows this, but in his defense, it's like, he's probably been used. He's probably had people try to take advantage of him. And that is our reaction. Like that's survival on the streets and calling him by name that second, like that first time there was nothing you could do. It sounds like, you know, but it was the consistency, that constant presence, that different encounter. And that's where he probably was convinced, you know, not by your words. I mean, calling him by name is, I mean, you're, you're just saying his own name. You're not coming up with something crazy. And it was truly like you, you know, being there with him and Man, that had to have been a difficult but transformative moment to reflect on in prayer and go through that heart of Mary. Oh, yeah. it. Once I realized how much she could help me and what her intercession meant for me, it, it, was, it was a game changer. Like, it was truly the graces given from her through God that through her by God. Like, yeah. Anyways, there was nothing that like I could say or do to fix him, but love him. And I couldn't love him by my own strength. So I needed her help and I needed the Lord's help as well. Oh, completely, completely. And my favorite thing is like, this is these stories you two just shared. Like, yeah, one, one story of many, right? Many, many. And I can't imagine the other stories of how your heart's gotten deeper and, you know, but at the end of the day, let's, Let's take it back to community life here. So as you know, I mean, we go to the streets and we come back and our missionaries live in community. And that is many times where the rubber meets the road, right? And, you know, many of you are supporters of Christ in the city. Those who love the poor as well, like you can only be on the streets so much, just like our missionaries. So when you come back to home, when you come home, how have you found that being Mary and John at the foot of the cross in community can be transformative. I think that in community life is where this loving at the foot of the cross becomes even more a reality, which sounds crazy to say, but it is so much easier to love people who are in such a physical and visible poverty. But when we come back home, like, that's when we're tired, that's when we're exhausted, that's when we don't really want to be on anymore, but we have to be. We are called to be loving and to be, yeah, we we are called to enter into our community members' sufferings just the same as we're called to enter into our friends on the street sufferings as well. I would say more too, like, our time out doing our ministry is probably a third of that, of just what we spend in community. So just... Yeah, flipping that switch on and off is, and just trying to love our homeless friends on the streets is, I would say, is a lot easier than, like, always keeping that on with each other as missionaries in community. The tendencies to fix, they, they don't, they don't leave wherever you are, just in life. Um, and there are times where maybe I was trying to fix, I was trying to find a solution, and it just wound up, like, making the matter worse. And all that there was to do was give space, um, give freedom, and 
just allow God like work through the other person and like just be patient and and yeah just like rest with that person um nothing more than just listening being there with them just trusting God and surrendering those little desires that like I had in my heart to God and allow him to do it in his own perfect way while I was trying to do it in my own like imperfection. I uh, would like to share a story of, I think, receiving that love of Mary and John at the foot of the cross in, um, in my suffering. So my grandma passed away in February of this year. And I remember I found out on a Thursday, which happens to be the day that we have what we call Marian groups, where we meet with five to six other people of our same gender. So I meet with four other women every week and Emilio meets with four other men every week. Um, and I got to that Marian group and I couldn't do anything but sob. And I felt so bad because here were these five women just staring at me and they couldn't do anything to help me, but sit there and listen to me cry and weep with them. And there was nothing else that I needed at that time than to just cry and to let out like that deep sorrow that I was feeling. And I think to be able to be received that way was such a privilege and gave me so much insight into what it is to be Mary and John. Because when you are in that deep of a suffering and there is nothing that can be done for you, just knowing that there are people around you that love you is incredible. Yeah. And they were just looking at you with love, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, my goodness, as you two were talking, it's like, I forgot whether you were talking about your ministry with the homeless or community in all honesty. It's like, truly, we all have that poor in us, right? We all have that, that does like, we don't only need to love others and be Mary and John at the foot of the cross, but there's always those moments where we're Christ on the cross and we need to let people be Mary and John for us, seeing us, gazing into our eyes. And that can be a whole nother podcast episode, but yeah, for this one, just to truly wrap up and recap what we've talked about, you know, at Christ in the City, our missionaries go to the streets and there is suffering. And what do we do, right? We know the resources, we know where to send them, but at the same time, there's a lot of hurt in the world that can't be fixed by a resource. And that's where the Lord led us to Mary and John at the foot of the cross. The model we use not only on the streets, but in ministry. As Emilio and Grace shared, this is just, it becomes daily. Like Emilio said, not something we switch on and off. It can be harder at times. It may seem a little dimmer, but at the same time, just that presence, that looking and being fully present with the person suffering you're with, knowing you want to fix them, like I'm sure Mary and John did, but remembering that the greatest thing you can do is be there with them. There's no words that you have to come up with, no action you have to come up with, but truly being with them. So Emilio and Grace, thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you guys. This is fun. Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, from Shayla and I and all of Christ in the city, we encourage you this week, uh, be Mary and John at the foot of the cross. And if you're one where you don't have any to give and you happen to be Jesus suffering this week, don't be afraid to let Mary and John look at you and gaze at you and be with you. God bless you all. Thanks guys. Mother Teresa, one of our patrons would say, 
If I look at the masses, I will not act. If I look at the one, I will. Because of these one-on-one encounters, because of people like you stepping out of your comfort zone, this mission is spreading. This mission is making its way into parishes, schools, seminaries, and communities nationwide. We have families making care kits for the homeless, college students coming on week-long mission trips and then going back on fire to serve the poor in their cities, seminarians in small groups across the country doing Christ in the City-style street ministry. This mission is becoming a national and worldwide endeavor, and we're so happy you're here. For even more in-depth Christ in the City training, exclusive videos, and interviews with the homeless, we invite you to join our known and loved monthly giving community. This is one of the most impactful ways you can join us in this mission. Visit ChristInTheCity.org and make a monthly gift today to join our known and loved community and receive a special Christ in the City gift. Imagine with me for a moment if every homeless person had one friend who cared about them. What a difference that would make in the world. And what if that one friend is you? You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, podcast platforms. And do us a favor and go hit subscribe and leave us a review. Again, check us out more at ChristInTheCity.org. God bless you.